The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Found financial food for thought. We've got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell. Carrie, this is one of your favorite songs, right? Yeah, no, I've heard it before. I can promise you that. But I, of course, that's about. I'm, you don't have the album at home? No. You guys got a dad about that? Okay. Oh, actually, this might have been after your dad. He might. He had been. Might have been uh, okay. uh, too old to get into the Archies. So why am I playing this, Carrie? <laughs> I think because the song's titled "Dizzy." I would guess. I the White House spin, Carrie, is making me dizzy. Let's get started. I mean, we we got lots of economic data. None of it's good. And President Biden Let's just get started. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not concerned about a recession. And, I mean, you're always concerned about... Uh... All, right, all right, just stop. Did he just say that he's not worried about inflation, but we all should be? Or I thought he said a recession. Recession, what did I say? Inflation. Oh, a recession. I'm sorry, recession, right. So he just said he's not worried about a recession, but we all should be. Did he would, just say I, that? I don't know. I would replay it again. I, I can't. I'm not in the radio. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Okay. I think that's what he said, though. He's not worried about a recession, but we should be. A recession, but the GDP, you know, fell to 1.4%. Okay, okay, stop. Just stop. He, he just said, and I've listened to this many times. Okay. He just said GDP fell to 1.4%. That's not good. That's not what happened. Okay. I mean, it, that indicates that it's still positive. In other words, if you say that GDP fell to 1.4%, you're saying GDP is 1.4%. But I think he said it fell 1.4%. No, he said fell to 1.4%. Okay. Now, there's, if... Because there's a difference. There's and, a but difference. even if he said it fell 1.4%, okay, that still doesn't indicate whether it's positive or negative. Right. Because if it was 5%, well, maybe that's and why it he fell 1.4%, it'd still he, be positive. Maybe he meant that. What he didn't say was that GDP was negative by 1.4%. Ah. That would have been clear to everybody. Well, I think, do you think that was deliberate? We're also, uh, the last quarter, consumer spending and business investment and residential investment increased at significant rates, both for leisure as well as hard products. Number one. Number two, the, we are, unemployment is the lowest rate since 1970, a record 4.5 million businesses. That's why we don't have any stagflation. Last year, we're in a situation where the, uh, you know, we have a very different view than uh, Senator Scott of Republicans uh, who want to raise taxes on the middle class families and want to include half the small business owners and that. We, uh, so I think we're... What you're seeing is enormous growth in the country hmm. that was affected. So he sees enormous growth in the country. How if GDP fell <laughs> is negative? I don't know. By everything from COVID and the COVID blockages that we occurred along the way. COVID now, blockages. You always have to be uh, take a look, and no, no one is predicting a recession now. Wait, 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 stop. 
He just said no one is predicting a recession now. Uh, That's not quite true. (laughs) I was going to say read some headlines. There are many world economists who are predicting a recession this year. There might be some that aren't, but... Some are predicting there may be a recession in 2023. Stop. Wait a second. No, some are predicting a recession in 2022. There are a lot who are predicting a recession in 2023. Um, I'm concerned about it, but I know one thing that, uh, you know, if our Republican friends are really interested in doing something about dealing with uh, the economic growth, and they should help us continue to lower the deficit, which we've done last year over $350 billion. I don't think they did that either. Oh, I'm so dizzy. I'm glad I didn't listen to that, because I don't think they lowered it at all. All I heard was all the money they keep asking for. Well... it, it depends on... And, and all that student loan forgiveness sure going to lower the deficit. You know, you have to... I guess you have to go back and say um, how you how you do the fuzzy math. Fuzzy? <laughs> on whether it, they reduce the deficit by $350 million. And it's... It, all right, so... The, the problem is, it, it, just looking at the fuzzy man, this is making me dizzy, okay? Um, okay, the CBO, after Biden took office, was projecting the federal budget deficit of about $2.3 trillion for fiscal year 2021. Okay, about $874 billion less than 2020. Obviously, 2020 is when we dumped all the helicopter money, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a huge spending. So in 2021, we spent, we, we dumped less helicopter money. Okay, but it was still so. Yeah, so it was going to be 874 billion less in 2020. Um, it then projected a deficit to fall again by another 1.2 trillion in fiscal year 2022. So for the two years, fiscal 2020-2022, deficit total of about 3.3 trillion. That has seemed no new change in the federal law. But then when Biden took office, him and the Democrats, through budget reconciliation, passed the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. Right. They added to the... Right. Maybe so, he meant like, kind of like he did before. Maybe he meant we increased it and we... So, did. so they're just playing... So so basically, it, yeah, the, the $350 billion, okay, but it would have been $1 trillion d- decrease if they hadn't passed... And so and and uh, maybe he's just trying to be a glass half full kind of guy. That is actually one that uh, um, works, and everybody oh. pays their fair share. And they should be uh, in, a, in a position where uh, uh, you shouldn't be raising taxes on middle class folks. You should be raising taxes on people who everyone acknowledges, and the vast majority of Republicans aren't like, paying their fair share. All right, the vast majority of pay your fair share. What about vast majority of politicians are probably in that high tier bracket? Where's the vast majority of our tax dollars going to? I mean, you were just mentioning, Carrie, I cut you off, but you were saying they're planning on spending more, right? Right. I mean, he just asked for $33 billion to support for the Ukraine. Ukraine. And I've heard the word this week about more student loan forgiveness. Okay, the student loan forgiveness. Uh, that, you, is you that know, realistic? You know, the, the the Senate leader, Schumer, is still talking about the $50,000 of debt forgiveness per student, right? That's a lot. Now, Biden came on and said, that's not me who's saying that. Uh, you know, and he said, you know, remember his campaign promise was 10000 yeah, ten thousand and fifty is a big difference. A bit difference. Now, what is it going to cost to reduce ten thousand? Well, the the see, but they said it's going to be about three hundred twenty billion. So 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 <laughs> so, Carrie, do you? <laughs> and okay, what is it? The fairness. I'm dizzy, Carrie. I, I can't keep up. Okay, so we you know we've got the thirty three billion for Ukraine, and that's just maybe the tip of the iceberg. I don't right. know. We don't know where I this thought is when going. it was like four or five billion that was a lot, but I guess not. Right. I mean, this thirty three billion is that going to cut? Is that going to last a week? Maybe. Mm. Now the thing is, you, you know, you hear a lot about the the Democrats complain about all the big bad corporations that are price gouging, right? Americans, right? Right. Including the the oil companies and. The Amazons and the you know the the the, the meat packer. Remember right. those all, and all that, right? And the government calling yeah. our government calling saying big bad corporations to our wasteful government is kind of like the pot yeah. calling the kettle. But I haven't heard too much of them 
calling out the weapon makers. Because mm. isn't that really who gets the $33 billion? Right, or the Now, some of that's going to go to aid, I guess, cash to aid. But how much of that $33 billion is going to buy weapons? Or contracts or... Or any other goods, hard assets. Oh, you know there's a high price tag on those. But I never seen... They're not going to give you a um, um, uh, multi-discount for the amount of things, I doubt it. So we've got the $33 billion and counting for Ukraine. I think that's on top of, I think, the 4 or $5 billion that was already done. Right. Um, then you've got the student loan debt. That'd be another three hundred twenty billion. Okay. Then we still have got Build Back Better. You know, we we, we don't know. Not going anywhere. Okay. Then we've we, then he's talking about he wants more Rona relief. He wants about another Why? twenty because it's it's uh, you haven't heard Kamala's got the virus, Carrie. I know, um, but then Fauci it, said we're pretty much have this pandemic behind us. So Fauci is, is, is afraid to go to the uh, correspondence dinner because of the the threat of the Rona. Right. So he wants, I think, another twenty five billion for that. I don't know. And then and then we've got the semi. Conductor bill, right? Um, and, and by the way, that's important to us in Ohio because the Intel deal, I think, is contingent upon whether this semiconductor bill gets passed in Congress. Oh, because because if it doesn't, I don't know if Intel's building in Ohio. All right. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's uh, the the Biden, sounds like it's a mess. Uh, all right. So I don't know. So we we got. Like I said, the GDP, the first quarter. So it's the first reading of the first quarter, and it was a negative one point four percent. the 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 consensus estimate was a positive one percent. So I don't know where Biden. I go back and listen on your own, Carrie. Okay. He said it would. You know, you can hear. You can try to see what he said. He said GDP fell to one point four percent. Not exactly what happened. Um, now, of course, you know that the technical definition of a recession is two negative consecutive GDP quarters. Well, okay. there we got one. Um, now, um, but we don't have to worry, Gary. Oh, always. See, I, I see just, remember what Biden said? I disagree. We, he's not worried about a recession. Maybe, well, maybe you have to be worried about a recession, right. but he's not. So well, maybe, of course he's not. Well, maybe none of us have to worry about right. it. So what? So because apparently the reason why we had a negative GDP handle was because of the import export fuzzy math. Mm. Okay, because remember all those ships that were sitting out in the California Bay because they forever. They, yeah, they unloaded. Okay, and, and and so because they unloaded. Don't ask me, Carrie. I'm not an economist. Right. But somehow the, the the spin is because they unloaded all their goods. And all of those imports came in at one time, which technically they've been already in some other way accounted for. But technically, it's kind of like when you have receivables, yes. but actually when they're actually in your bank account it's now. It's kind of like fuzzy math. Right. Gap accounting, right? I have to get my old gap accounting books out. It's been a while since I took that course. Um, but basically, so... Or government accounting, really. It's probably government, more, yeah, probably more government say. accounting. Um, but but the idea is because that supposedly happened in the first quarter. So that somehow boosted artificially the imports. And, of course, imports going up causes our GDP to go down because of that trade imbalance, whatever. So so we don't have to worry about it. Carol. Okay. All right. Um, Until we do. But then, then we had the PCE, the the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, come out this morning. Now, all of uh, you know, we're taping this show on Friday morning, so we got the PCE numbers. Remember, we got the wonderful uh, Consumer Price Index a, a week ago, or a couple of weeks ago, right? And it came in mm-hmm. at eight and a half percent handle, right? But remember, the Federal Reserve doesn't use that measure; they prefer the PCE measure. And why? Well. They feel it's more comprehensive and, and it, it's, it's calculated a little bit differently. Like, like one of the things it does, Carrie, it tries to account, you know, when, when you see demand destruction going on in America households. In other words, when consumers substitute cheaper goods because expenses are going up, right? Okay. Right. Um, you buy, you know, the common example is you buy the, um, not the name brand, but the store, you know. Right. Generic. Generic. Thank you. Um, so there's, so they say that the PCE kind of reflects that in some way. So how did those numbers work? Hmm. Well, let's see. 
So in for March, now you have always remember you have the headline number, and that's what makes the headlines. Mm-hmm. And then you have the core number, and that's what real economists look at. Okay. Right? Because the core backs out some of the energy and food because it's so globally volatile, you know, it doesn't make any sense to include it. Uh, so but let's start with the headline number. So it came in at six point six percent year over year. That was worse than February 6.4% year over year, which was worse than January 6.1% year over year. This is not good. Biden, no. infl- this is not good news for the White House and the Democrats. All right. Um, now, how about month over month? Because that's what that's what how the how President Biden's been spinning this is saying, oh, don't look at the year over year number because on a monthly basis, we're getting better. Nah. That's a lie, too. So so in March, okay, so the month-over-month headline neighbor came in at 0.9%, a bit higher than the previous month's 0.6. Okay. Now, remember, February's 0.6 equaled January's 0.6. Right. So we thought, okay, maybe we were peaking. Right. That maybe, okay, January was 0.6, February was 0.6. We were hoping March was mm-hmm. going to be less than 0.6. No, 0.9. Whoops, going the other direction. Right. Uh, maybe that's too because of the ships unloaded. I don't know. Maybe all those, maybe I'm, all those dockers, you know, spent their I'm paychecks. I'm sure Biden the and the White House have plenty of excuses. But, but let's look at the core. Let's let's look at what you know, F- Fed Chair Powell and the, and the central bankers are looking at. Okay, so core uh, PCE year over year came in at five point two. All right, slightly better than February's year over year that came in at five point three. Okay, slightly better. Okay. Which was slightly better than January's year over year that came in at 5.5. So we've gone 5.5 to 5.3 to 5.2. That's a trend that they're trying to get us to believe in. Right. Uh. Okay. And and how about month over month on the core? Okay. So it came in at 0.3. Okay. So remember the annual year over year came in at 0.9 but the current month came in at 0.3 that's the trend they want us to believe in mm-hmm. that's the trend that they say we're not going to land in a recession mm-hmm. okay um because the federal reserve next week is going to re- increase interest rates by another 50 basis points okay all right fashion your seatbelt all right um now so so how is the month the month so 0.3 in march 0.4 in february Point five in January, the good trend. So that's what they want us looking at. The, right. The but I think, core PCE right. on a monthly basis. Right. But I think in general, people are looking at what is their impact when they go shopping and they go to the store and they see, you know, goods and services they buy all the time, which I certainly notice going up seems like every week. Um, And the bottom line is you need to know how you will be affected. All these things, some people need to worry, some people don't, or some people are worried that really don't need to be. Um, And that's what we do at the estate planning team. And the estate planning team sponsors Financial Food for Thought every Saturday morning on 1420 between 9 and 10. And we're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that can impact your financial life. And what the estate planning team does is build custom financial plans and provide people with objective unbiased analysis so they know how short-term decisions or short-term different things that are going on, whether it's inflation, rising healthcare costs, tax increases, the market volatility, does that affect financial decisions I'm making, Um, whether it's a retirement decision, whether it's a spending decision, and then also how do you use opportunities in a volatile situation to your benefit? You know, there are opportunities in every economic situation, and that's what we look for our clients. We also know what tax rates are today. And if you don't think with all this spending that tax rates aren't going to go up in the future, you need to be as proactive as possible and take steps while you're working or if you're in retirement. So you're setting things up to create future tax efficient income instead of just waiting. Um, And that's what we look at all the pieces and parts that impact your financial life. And as much as we talk about planning saves people money or gives them the most net benefit from the choices they make. It's peace of mind saying, this is what happens and this is how I need to adjust or I'm worried about this thing and maybe I don't need to worry about it and what opportunities can I use to at least, you know, um, 
put things more in my, and um, I'm going to stack the odds in my favor, do everything I can. And the estate planning team offers a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. Happy to do that by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. And we'll actually run some preliminary analysis if you want to take the time to schedule. If you call today, leave a message at the office. We will call you back on Monday morning. If you send an email through our website, we will respond to that as well. That's 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, you got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate plan team. Carrie, Carrie, you mentioned a rising income tax. So, mm-hmm. so you heard President Biden on that clip I played in the beginning that they still plan on raising taxes. Right now, he's still saying his campaign promise that no one making under four hundred thousand dollars a year will see one penny increase. I don't believe him. So you think they're going to see bigger than a penny increase? Or is that, is that a literal? In other words, is he saying literally No, <laughs> that no one's going to get a 1%, 1 percent, one penny increase? Maybe that's what he's increase. saying. You're not going to get a 1%. You're going no, to get one a penny. You say, one you know, he's penny. Saying, no one's going to see one penny increase. So we're going to see so, more than that. And I don't is think Is that his out? Yeah, I think so. Oh, he no. always has an out. I'm curious. I'm dizzy. I'm just dizzy. All right. The other thing I'm dizzy about are the earnings. We're in we're in hot earnings, you know, the middle of hot earnings season right now. And that's what we're looking for. Are these big, bad corporations going to keep this economy steaming along so we don't land in a recession? Mm -hmm. All right. Because we know the Federal Reserve is going to start raising interest rates. They have to. It's the Tina principle. There is no alternative. All right. Um, But. We don't know who's going to, you know, what's going to happen with the Ukraine war. Will Europe go into a recession? Some people think that if Europe goes into a recession, will will we be protected on our shores? A lot of people don't. They think it will bleed into us. You know, who knows? Get ready. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, how. how, But but back to the taxes. So if you are concerned or believe that income, your income tax rates are going up, then that brings to the uh, forefront whether you should be looking at Roth IRA conversions. Right? Mm-hmm. In other words, you've got the Trump lower tax rates, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 has got the current lower individual income tax rates, at least on the books, on the law through 2025. Right? We don't know if they'll be extended or made permanent. And if that's going to happen, Republicans are going to have enough, have enough votes to do that, right? Um, because the Democrats aren't going to vote for that, right? They they, they want to increase um, the taxes. Uh, maybe not for everyone, but certainly on those higher brackets. So in either case, that's the, the reason why. And, and, and by the way, remember, part of the initial Build Back Better pro- proposals, Carrie, we're going to clamp down on who can do, you know, Roth, can, you know, right. Roth contributions and conversions, right? Remember, because, because they were, you know, the, the progressives were so mad at, you know, the, the, the Roth king, Peter Thiel, right? Right. Was, you know, if I remember, and then who's backing J.D. Vance, by the way, you okay. know, a little, little connection here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the main backer between J.D. Vance. Oh, okay. You think maybe between Thiel's money and J.D. Vance getting a center sheet, maybe that's why Trump wanted to... Uh, have him win? I don't, I don't know. know. Think think uh, having a senator on board is good for your personal businesses? Hmm. The Trump family dynasty? No, of course not. Um, all right. So, all right. So, we had the Monster Tech Companies report this week, Carrie. Right? And my question is, were they defanged? All right. So, you know the fang stocks, Carrie, right? Okay. Facebook, which is now Meta, right? Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, which is now okay. Alphabet, right? Those are the Fang stocks. How they do now? The liberal I, stocks. <laughs> now I like Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft technically isn't in the Fang group, right. but they're in the tech group, right? Right. So okay, I'm just gonna, you know, so how did everybody do? Okay, so Microsoft beat. Okay, Alphabet or Google missed. Apple beat, Amazon missed, MetaBook mixed. MetaBook. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not a Facebook person. I, I call it MetaBook. It's, 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 meta, it's Meta, but it's Facebook. I call oh, it MetaBook. Yeah. Um, Netflix mixed, Twitter Twitter was. Twitter was funny. I mean. Well, they just said, <laughs> they couldn't even compare. They said, Twitter's done. 
I mean, they, they said there's no guidance because we don't know, you know, it's, if, 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 if Elon takes them private, uh-huh. there is no there is no earnings reports anymore. This would be the last earnings report. Um, you know, they didn't do that well, though. And that's a lot of people say that's why they uh, they went ahead with the, the, the and I don't know if that deal is going to get done. Who knows? Um, you know, but anyways, a lot of people said that's why Twitter went along with it is because they knew their earnings was going to not be stellar. All right. Um, so a mixed group, you, you know, I don't know. Is it so the question is, are we seeing the rotation from the growth darlings, right? The Apples and Amazons and Googles and all that to more of a value based, you know, where, where the, sometimes the value stocks carry are more considered recession proof, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe it's the stocks, the, the blue chip stocks that paid good dividends and have mm-hmm. a history of paying right. dividends even in tough economic times, you know. So are we seeing that rotation um, and, and kind of go from there? Now, um, the thing about Apple is even though Apple beat on top and bottom line, their stock fell because it because the Ford guidance was so bad. Okay, They're, they they went out and said we may have an eight billion Rona you know uh, loss or or uh, you know effect in yeah in the that's next not really going to help. So, but maybe they're being on you know they're being honest. That's what they should be doing. Unlike right? our president. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know because I don't I can't I don't have the teleprompter in front of me. I don't know if the teleprompter said the right thing or. And if, but honestly, can you just not talk? Yeah. Well, he's the president of the United States. Right. He How should can be, he not talk? Right. He should. No. But I'm saying, can you not talk without a teleprompter? Oh, in the court. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, um, I don't think he can do that. I don't. I don't think he can either. But that tell. I mean, that's a big job to be a president, and commander in chief. I don't know. But I mean, I, I've been saying on. I started saying how well, <laughs> a month and a month ago. I'm saying I'm convinced, Gary, to be a successful politician or central banker, you got to lie. You, you have to be trusted by the people you lie to. You know, who's that a quote from, Gary? You know. I don't know. Oh, you're you're not up on Pink Floyd. You went to their concert, Carrie. You, I know. You, saw, I was you heard horrified. them sing that in concert. I saw people doing all kinds of things, and I was you young, left, didn't you? Before a, it was the encore, I did. I went to the car and listened to like Top Forty because I was very I'm shocked. impressed, Carrie, that you were at a Pink Floyd concert. <laughs> I was at one. I, I just wish I could remember it, but. Um. <laughs> The, but but yeah, that was one of their quotes and from the animals, you know, from yeah. the dog song. You know, you know, you have to be trusted to the, you have to be trusted by the people you lie to. Um, I think that's a good uh, reflection on the oh, central that's so bankers sad. And, and the politicians. Um, now, all right, because they don't want to, they can't break the bad news to you, Carrie. You'd you'd be so much sadder if they broke the real mm. news to you. Um, all right, so back to the stock. So. So what are some if so if you're thinking of rotation so we could talk about you know what stocks carry are going to hit the trifecta speaking of which we got the Kentucky Derby back next weekend oh, okay. right first Good. Saturday in May um, Trump is going to be there Carrie okay yeah he's going to be do- okay. he, apparently he's doing a rally the okay. same day as the Kentucky Derby hard hard oh know, that could be a fun that could be interesting right mm-hmm. um, so anyways the tri because the trifecta so what do we mean by a trifecta in stocks well. That's where you're looking for a stock that has value, mm-hmm. meaning that the price you could buy it at isn't overpriced, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's underpriced. You know, value stock buyers want to buy. If you say that the, the the fair market value of a stock, you know, looking at their books and then earnings and, and everything else should be $100, let's say. So the value stock purchaser or manager doesn't want to buy it at $100 or above $100. They want to buy it at $90, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and when they say, okay, if I'm, look, look, I'm going to do this, the, the search on all the stocks and what their fair market value is, and I'm looking for stocks that are undervalued, I want to buy those stocks. And then when, the, when they get up to their true fair market value, then that's when I sell them, and that's how I'll mm-hmm. make my profits. Then I'll buy more under So that's that's the classic, um, you know, Warren Buffett values approach. Uh, account. Now, again, I, we have to give the disclaimer, Carrie. We don't manage investments for our clients, right. so this is nothing. This is not recommendations on this what stocks or ones. We don't do that. All right, I'm just saying what what how are how is the experts how are they looking at? So we're back to so a trifecta stock would one that's value that's paying dividends and has some inflation protection. Okay? Or sometimes we call that recession proof, right? 
Um, so you know what? One group that may catch on here, Carrie, the beverage stocks. Mm. <laughs> okay, and and the soft drinks, not the oh, not the sin tax. No, I'm talking. Because um, I was thinking, I was like, I know with COVID, they said alcohol sales were yeah, way up. <laughs> but we're talking the big, you know, we're talking Coca-Cola, you know, Pepsi. Yeah. And the other one that we look at is, is Keurig, you know, Dr. Pepper, yeah. Keurig, you know, the coffee drinks and, and, I didn't, and, okay, and Dr. Yeah. Pepper. Um, they own Dr. Pepper now. Um, so, so they, so a lot of experts believe that they fit this trifecta, right? Um, because the, the value, you know, they're, they're currently not overvalued. Okay. Not like the, not like the apples and Amazon, you know, not right. like the, or the Netflixes and stuff like that. Um, and typically the beverage stocks are considered defensive companies, you know, with, with stable sales and earnings. You know, and a lot of people think, in other words, is Coca-Cola recession proof? Hmm. I mean, do you buy? You don't drink Coke, right, Gary? No, sometimes. Not since I've been Woka Cola. I've switched. <laughs> well, in other words, would you go down to the generic cola as opposed to picking up a two liter of Coke? No, I probably would stop drinking cola. You just stop drinking. Because, like, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't a, drink it anymore. Tw- 24, um, you know, pop's gone, soda pop yeah. has gone up. A lot. I haven't stopped drinking the brown liquid, Carrie. Yeah. You were mentioning before, but <laughs> yeah. I have stopped drinking soda. Um, I just yeah, I know. don't buy it like I used to. Okay, but I don't know. So, but that's always been the question, right? It, it, do people stop buying Coke or Pepsi if if if, if you're in a recession? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But right. there's the they've got the they they kind of say you know and and. And they've got, you know, they've have earnings and they've got, you know, because they're world, they're global. Now, they, they had to get out of Russia and that, that hurt them a little bit. But, they, you know, they have a lot of free cash flow and there's nothing wrong with companies that have free cash flow, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they typically, they pay good dividends, all right? And a history of paying good dividends, right? Um, so, so that's, so how did they do in this earnings season, all right? So let's start with Coca-Cola. The, the biggest of the bunch, right? Um, all right. So earnings per share came in at $0.64, cents and the street was looking for 58 That's a beat. Mm-hmm. Revenue came in at $10.5 billion and the street was looking for 9.83. That's a beat. Um, remember Elon Musk? We were talking about Elon, right? Right. Remember, he joked about buying Coke. Did I you hear did that? see that. I didn't read it, but I saw the headline this yeah. week. <laughs> He's after those woke, woke companies. Yeah. So he hinted, or he he making a joke because he, he wanted to put the cocaine back into the Coke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Coke would be a little bit more expensive than Twitter, Carrie. Uh, Twitter, he's getting away for forty-four billion. Coke would be, you know, more like eighty-eight billion. Um, all right, now, so he's not. I don't think he's really seriously buying Coke, Woka Cola. Um, all right, so what did Coke say? So despite the the suspension of the Russian business, the company reiterated its full outlook. Okay, that's good. Jim Cramer, you've heard of him, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what did he say? Coca Cola put a put on a clinic. Showing how a seasoned management team can overcome just about any challenge you might throw at them. Mm. That's long-lasting strength. That's a great stock to put away. Okay. Um, how about their dividends? Okay. So Coke earlier in the year, um, the, you know, their board announced the the a, a dividend increase. This is the 60th consecutive year where they've increased dividends. Carrie. That's, that's awesome. That's a pretty good That's good for record. the stockholders. Um, up about 5%. You know, um, the dividend yield, 2.8%. Okay. Um, so that how do you compare that to your CDs? To get a 2% CD right now, uh, you have to go out about 49 months, by the way. Okay. Um, all right. Now, um, PepsiCo. Okay. Earnings came in at 1.29. The street was looking for $1.23. That's a beat. Revenue came in at six point two sixteen point two billion. The street was looking for fifteen point five six billion. Mm-hmm. That's a beat. Um, the company raised its full year forecast for organic revenue growth. Uh, what are they saying here? Um, we don't expect the business to deliver a lot. So they were there now. Their forward guidance wasn't stellar either. We don't expect the business to deliver a lot of growth this year given all the challenges and decisions we've made. Okay, that's uh, CFO Hugh Johnson. So they, they, But they're still, now, even though they beat because of that, that type of right. statement, 
the stock was down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, less than 1%, not that big, all right? Um, now, how about, how about their dividend? All right. So, their, um, their dividend. So, in February, um, they, they said uh, they increased their quarterly dividend. So, for them, Carrie, it's the 49th consecutive year. Okay. That they've increased dividends. Uh, they increased it by 5%. Um, all right. Wow. So, and their dividend yield right now is 2.6%. Okay. Uh, we have time to do one more. Keurig, Dr. Pepper, not so much as big names as Coke and Pepsi, right? Um, so let's see. I don't have too much information on them. Okay. Their earnings per share came in at 41 cents. The street was looking for 33 cents. That's a beat. Um, they pay a uh, they pay a seventy five cent annual dividend, so their dividend yield, Kurt, Dr Pepper, you know that's uh, their dividend yield is two point oh three percent. So, so there's just some ideas that you know that how you know is America going is you know America going through this rotation where they're a little bit you know frowning upon the big growth stock darlings, um, and instead they're looking for value. But there's another situation because maybe you are interested and still you're going to hold on to your fang stocks, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to sell low because you learned one of the first investment rules is that you buy low and sell Sell high, high, not that you buy high and sell low, right? Or in a Uh, position that you have to sell low. Yeah, so... um, We'll talk a little bit. So I'm going to – so so how do you look at that with something else that I said I was going to talk about today is if, if you also are concerned that income tax rates are going up or that you're concerned that you're, you know, you've got too much in IRAs and the RMD is going to trap you later on and you may be thinking about a Roth conversion. Right. So if you're someone who's working and thinking about retiring, someone who's in retirement, somebody wants to look at IRA or Roth Uh, planning, you can give the estate planning team a call for free, no obligation consultation, which we're happy to do by phone or in person. Leave a message at the office and we'll get back to you on Monday or send an email through our website at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we've been helping clients the state planning team has been helping clients build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And also over those decades, Carrie, we've certainly have been talking a lot about Roth conversions. In fact, ever since Roth conversions came into existence, which was about 1998. Um, and there's been a lot of changes, favorable changes, making, meaning the government has made them more available, um, more uh, have, have have promoted them mm-hmm. things like at one time there wasn't a thing called a a, a 401k Roth right mm-hmm. you, you know now there is and not that you companies have to offer you a 401k right. Roth option but they can mm-hmm. right another uh, rule change was um, you know prior to 2010 there was a cap, an AGI, a modified adjusted gross income cap on who could do a Roth conversion. Okay. Now, remember, there's a difference between Roth contributions and Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, I'm, and if you're today, I'm talking about Roth conversions, right? We don't only have time to, you know, we, we do a lot of the Roth shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're confused about that, just come in and see us. Or, 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 but anyway, so I'm talking about, you know, so, so prior to 2010, if you had modified adjusted gross income of over $100,000, you weren't allowed to do a Roth conversion. Okay. You were barred from doing that. The government lifted that restriction permanently in 2010. Right. Um, so as I said, there's been, you know, so they've, the government's been promoting them. And, and now all of a sudden the, the government thinks that they've created a monster because you have guys like Peter Thiel, who's got billions in a Roth IRA mm-hmm. simply because he was smart about what he invested in. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they don't like that, right? That wasn't, right. that was intended for. Um, so, so I, let's just talk, uh, you know, I, I, it's, you know, let's. Talk some general rules, I guess. Um, 
so why do people like Roth IRAs? Well, one, of course, you can get tax-free growth, right? Mm -hmm. Tax-free distributions, tax-free passage. Another reason is because there are no required minimum distributions if it's your Roth IRA. Right. Okay. Um, Now, it is if you do have a Roth 401k, all right, you will have required minimum distributions, Carrie, Um, but they'll they'll be tax-free, Okay. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to just get around that, um, you know, you could simply, when you leave the company, you could roll your 401k Roth over to your individual Roth IRA, and then you won't have the RMD requirement. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but a lot of people, it, it, the if that's, you know, that's, a, you know, that they don't have the big Roth 401k or a big Roth IRA going to retirement. What they're trying to say is I've got too much in my tax qualified plans. And that's going to trap me for when, when the required minimum distributions begin, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to trap me and that's going to become too expensive tax wise, mm-hmm. especially if tax rates go up, right? Mm-hmm. In the future. Um, so what they're looking at is they're saying, okay, I want to know that I should I start doing Roth conversions? And typically in those years where I've got a, a, a little of a window period, right? Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, what do we mean by the window period? Well, that's when you're in a very favorable tax rate because your wages are gone typically or you're – not getting a lot of income or controlled income as far as ordinary income is before minimum required distribution. So when you're looking at that, maybe you're saying, well, why would I even do that? Because I don't need the money for IRAs or I don't need those for my cash flow needs. Well, that's a huge opportunity. And if we come for a consultation, we actually run and we get really excited when we see bigger window is even better. Um, when you look at these opportunities, there could be three or four years. Some people even have longer if they're retiring early and then they delay Social Security. It leaves room on their tax return to pull money out of their IRA or company retirement plans as a very favorable rate and in some cases zero. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the common, you know, the, usually people get it when we say, you know, when we because we've had that happen many times over mm-hmm. the decades where we have a new client coming into us in retirement and we say, well, how, you know, what's going on with tax? And they say, right. oh, I'm fine. I've got a zero. I'm not paying any taxes. And then our, and so our first question is, well, what are you doing with your IRAs? And there's, and they would say, oh, well, I'm just doing the required minimum. Or if they're not a required minimum yet, they're saying, I'm just waiting to do required Because I don't need it. I don't need it. And so, see, our first response is that if you're in, if you're in a zero tax bracket, my next question is how much additional taxable income could you create and still be zero. Right. Can you maxed out zero yet? Right. And that's a no brainer. But then also for some of our, it's looking at the 10%, the 12% maxing out where your Medicare B premiums for that, that can be huge. If you've chucked away a lot of money into these IRAs and company plans, and we've talked on previous shows, uh, you can listen to our podcast on the website and you start getting minimum, it can throw you through those thresholds for Medicare B Right. And cost you more later. So there's a lot of reasons to look at this early and look for times when there's opportunities, even more so when there's market volatility. Right. So, and, and maybe we can, yeah. So what are some of those other, Carrie, uh, just got me thinking about another thing. So what are some of those thresholds? You know, we, that's playing the tax right. limbo game, right? So you just mentioned which one the the mod, the the uh, the modified just gross income for right. healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. Did you give yeah? So the so Medicare, the right. Medicare Irma, the income related monthly adjustment. Oh, so, so yeah. So, so for married filing jointly for this year, for example, that's one hundred eighty-two thousand modified just gross income, and that's it, a hard threshold. So those are if yeah. you're a dollar over, you go pay you go that higher amount. And and modified meaning you got to take your adjusted gross income and you have to add back any tax exempt income you had, tax exempt interest you had that year, right? Again, it's a two year gap. That's something right. that confuses people. So your twenty twenty one tax return that you just filed will affect your twenty twenty three Medicare premiums. Right. The two year gap there. Um, single person that threshold start is a ninety one thousand, and there's four mm-hmm. or five uh, levels above that. Another one that's very popular with our clients is maxing out the zero percent long term capital gains and qualified dividend rate. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot of people, you know, you know, people know that the maximum capital gains tax rate is fifteen percent, right. unless you're in the high, you know, one percenters, right. then it can be higher. 
But, you know, but people forget that there's a zero long-term capital gain in qualified dividend rates. And so for uh, 2022, that's uh, married filing jointly. That's taxable income of below 83350 Okay. And that, that's a healthy amount. Right. Because, you know, you know um, that's taxable income. That's after deductions, right? Or a single person, 41675 So we've So those are probably, we have lots of clients maxing out both right. those thresholds, right? Um, another one could be where you, you're you affected by the Affordable Health Care Reform Act, you know, the additional right. 0.9% hospital insurance or the 3.8% on net investment income. That's for a single person. That's $200,000 of modified interest gross income for married jointly. That's 250000 a modified just gross income. Um, so those those are those are some of the the popular ones that our clients are mm-hmm. con- are, are concerned with, right? Um, now about the RMD. So the window is that before you know when you're retired and before RMDs begin, especially if you may be deferring your Social Security election till age seven. Right. right? So under the Secure Act one, of course, it raised the required minimum to age seventy two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now Secure Act two is in the works. Okay. And that's going to raise it even further. And I do think that will get passed. I think it will get passed this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, but it's going to be a phase in. It's gonna, they, they want to phase in the required minimum from age 72 to age 75. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's in, it's in phase ins. It's in, you know, so, right. so the first phase in is going to 73. Okay. And that would be for individuals who attain age 72 after 1231-22. Okay. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. I'm just saying what they're proposing. Right. Then 74 um, would start in 2030, you know, for individuals who reach 73 after 1231-29. And then age 75 would start in 2020, uh, 2033. And then for individuals who attain age 74 after 1231-32, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, you kind you, you of go from there. Um, all right. And another thing that the SECURE Act one did that is making Roth conversions more popular is the idea that um, they took it took away the stretch IRA, you know, Mm -hmm. the rule for non-spouse beneficiaries. Right. Um, And so now the current rule, it's a 10 year rule. Mm -hmm. So as a non-spouse beneficiary, there's some exceptions I'm not going to get into right right now, but, but generally it, it, the the non-spouse beneficiary, has 10 years right. to get the IRA, the inherited IRA distributed. Right. Now, there's no required minimum within those 10 years. They don't have to do like one-tenth per year. So they could skip a year if, they had, if they're going to retire maybe, but a lot of times they're getting it that inheritance in their peak earning years. Right. So maybe I'm going to retire in seven years, so I'm going to wait till I'm retired because you don't want to take it when you're already in a higher bracket. Right. And so even though we said that, you know, Roth IRAs, if it's your Roth IRA, there is no required minimum. Inherited Roth IRAs, still there is a, for a non-spouse beneficiary of a Roth IRA, an inherited Roth IRA, then they do still have the 10-year rule. But at least it would be tax-free, um, though. Tax-free. Um, all right, so so uh, let's see, Carrie. How much time do I have left? I have to, I'm gonna have to carry this into next week too. But um, so those are some, now. There's some other rules that you have to understand. You know, there's the five year holding rules where you know when you can get your earnings out tax free, and they has to be in there for five years. Of course, now there's a lot of rules, Carrie, that you got to be careful of. You plan on taking out of Roth IRAs before age 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's a whole hour program. Right. Okay. I don't have time to do that right now, but you got to be careful. So I'm generally talking about today about you're over 59 and a half, right? Uh, so there's still the five year holding rule. There's one five year holding period for Roth contributions that you have to meet in your lifetime. Uh, conversions is a little bit different. There, each year you do a conversion, starts a new five year holding period. Again, not a big deal if you're over 59 and a half, is a big deal if you're trying to get money out before 59 and a half, right? Um, some other things, you, there's other ways you may be able to get money out of a Roth IRA before 59 and a half. There's some rules for first home purchases, first, uh, first home purchases right. college educations, you know, for you and your family members. So there's some rules about that. But basically, 
the, 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 a lot of people are saying, yeah, one of the reasons why I want to convert over is because I think my taxes are going up, so I'm going to use this lower window to get more money over. I'm going to reduce my future required minimums. Another reason is I'm trying to reduce that IRD, the income respect of the seed, and that, that potential tax that if I leave my children a big IRA and they have to get it out in 10 years. Right? Which in many cases today, that's the biggest passage cost that people face. So sometimes, so and that's one that comes to mind. Um, where we, I was working with a client, Carrie, and she's a widow, and she's she's in a situation where she's looking at doing a big bath. Okay, and All what right. do you mean by big bath? I know what you mean by big bath. A big bath is when you are deciding you're going to convert whatever you have left in IRA over to Roth in one year. Mm. Now, a lot of times that situation. Where because it may be as small at that point, right? In other words, it may be forty thousand dollars left in the IRA, and you're just converting it over, right? right now, remember, inherited IRAs cannot be converted to Roth inherited right. Roth IRAs. You know, you, know, you can't do that. Um, now, but the other big bath is someone who is a very high net worth or a very high income, and saying the required minimum distribution trap is going to you know get me crazy, or the IRD is just out of this world. And I'm worried about if I'm already high and I'm worried about the talk about eight rates going up. Right. So that was more the case of this case. You know, she was 80 years old. Mm -hmm. Now, her income was fabulous. She had a pension. She had a survivorship pension from her husband, deceased husband, and she had Social Security. Mm -hmm. She she didn't need her IRA. Okay. Um, Now, she had about two million dollars left in IRA and she had one child. Okay. And that child was already doing pretty well financially. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, so she was going to say, I'm going to, you know, I want to do, I'm going to try to get this money out. I'm going to try to do the Roth conversion, even if it causes me to pay more taxes, because I think in the long run, it's going to work out better for my future generations mm-hmm. um, because her child does have children. Grand, she has grandchildren. Right. So, all right, so we looked at a couple of things. So once you said, well, Mark, should I do it all at once, big bath, or should I just should, I'd say, well, maybe I should just do it while I have the Trump lower tax rates, which would be through 2025. Right. Okay. Or she was saying, should I just do it to max out a certain threshold? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you can plan A, plan B, plan C. And those are the things that we try to set up for. So we ran some different, you know, we worked with their CPA, we ran some different projections, and it came out where, in, in other words, if she, yeah, if she wanted to like, ma- if she wanted to like max out her, you know, thirty five percent tax bracket, right? She could be doing about three hundred thirty thousand dollars a year, and then if she was doing that level, that would get it out over about seven years, and she'd be done. But that's going out beyond twenty twenty five, so tax right. Well, she did it in the five in a, in the four years of 2025. It's about 538 thousand. If she did the lump sum, it's all once. Right. Okay. So what's the cumulative amount of taxes? Plan A, which is over seven years, 985 thousand. Plan B, over four years, 961 thousand. The the one year big bath, 951 thousand, the lowest. So, but it's getting enough analysis. Will she do it? Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.